Good morning. Uh, I hope everyone is having a great morning so far. First things first, so I, I do not forget. If, uh, if you have a child between the ages of two and second grade, uh, you can uh, walk them down the hall to Kingdom Club and get them checked in with Logan. So if you have, a, if you have children between the ages of two and second grade, you can walk them down and check them into Kingdom Club. Um, secondly, I just want to take a moment to say um, happy Father's Day to all the, the, the fathers in the room. Um, thinking about today, I think about my dad, I think about my, my grandpa, my pop, and I think about my, my own baby boy and just kind of the, the newfound significance of this day. And so I just want to say thank you to all of our dads here in the room. Happy Father's Day. We, we appreciate you and we love you. Um, a lot of us just got back from the, uh, the Mexico mission trip that has been mentioned. Um, uh, we went down in waves, and then we had a few of us kind of working our way back to the States in different waves. We had some who came back on Friday. Um, a handful of us came back yesterday after some uh, airport complications, uh, which led to a long day of traveling. But we had a great time at Ciudad. We had a great time visiting the, all the children at the home, getting to interact and, and, and get to know all the different people who are pouring their, their time and energy and hearts into that ministry at Ciudad. And uh, it was just a great, a great time to get to, to be a part of this global church, to be a part of our, to be uh, in fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Cozumel. Um, and that it really ties into this series that we were going through, um, this idea of home, you know, the, the inst- indispensable value of belonging. Um, one of the things that we have recently started doing over the past month on Wednesdays with our, with our teens is that as we, we start our, our lesson, we take a moment to pray over Christians in a different part of the world, just trying to, to recognize that this church, this family of God, is this global, this global family. Uh, it's not something specific just to, to uh, Minnesota, not just to the U.S., but that we all across the world are part of the family of God. But today we're going to talk about this local family, this local congregation, what, why do we have the local church? Um, there's this growing idea, this growing trend uh, within American Christianity, and I know this because it's popular. Uh, I, I, get, I hear this a lot when I call a lot of my buddies from college. Um, so we'll call, we'll be talking on the phone, and we'll talk about a lot of different things, but whenever it gets to talking about Christianity and talking about church life, there's this, this growing idea of people who they love Jesus. Um, they are deeply devoted followers of Jesus. They love Christ, love being a disciple. They love, but they don't have the same love for the church. Um, they have a lot of frustration with the church. They have a lot of hurt with the church. They have a lot of anger towards the church. And I, I don't want to dismiss those all. So we'll have these talks about, well, what role does the local church, what role does the church play in the life of a believer? Growing up, at, growing up as a kid, I generally heard the local church kind of described as um, 
you know, God did his part, right? Like God got us to Jesus, and Jesus did a lot of the heavy lifting, but now that Jesus is gone, it's up to us in our human capacity to kind of, you know, it's our turn to pick up the weights. Um, it's our turn to pave ahead. And I've heard the church described as, let's, do all, let's take up our end of the deal now. Um, I've, I've heard it described as where a, a crucial um, cog in the machine to accomplish God's uh, plan, to accomplish God's blueprint. You know, that we are this well-oiled machine to accomplish th- these greater purposes, and you get in line and you do your part. And while that may be true, I don't think thinking of the church as this expression of human effort or this expression of, of this machine-like uh, roteness is very helpful for actually diving in and understanding the role and the value of the church. Instead, I would argue that, and this isn't, and this isn't anything we haven't heard from, but I would argue that the church is better uh, viewed and better described as the family of God. Um, I want you to take a moment and think about your physical family. Uh, think about all the different people who play the parts in there and think about all of the different stories that came to form your family. Within there, there, there are some really pretty stories and there's some really not pretty stories. I think about my, my family and how I got here. Uh, my dad, who is a descendant of Irish immigrants, meeting my mom, a descendant of Norwegian immigrants in Anchorage, Alaska, uh, somehow ending up in Oklahoma, now Minnesota. And there's all these different stories all of these different parts being played to form my family, to form the family of the McCons. Um, there's been some ups and downs in our family, which I, I would imagine we're probably not the only one with some ups and downs, but we're a family and we, we love each other and we, we stick by each other even when we, we aggravate one another because we share this commitment, we share this bond together by our blood that we love and we value one another. And as we begin to think about the church as family, begin thinking through this paradigm, we need to start to begin to understand how we fit in this story of God's family. Where do we come along in this lineage? And so we start by turning back to the very beginning of scripture. Uh, I mentioned this in the first service, but it seems like no matter the, the, the theme, no matter the topic, no matter what text we're based out of, at some point we always say we need to return to the beginning to find our grounding in there. God in Genesis, God has created the world. Um, he's created the Garden of Eden, and in comes rebellion, in comes sin, and in comes uh, darkness and chaos. And there's this moment in there with the Tower of Babel where humans say, we know what is best. We, can, uh, we, can, we know how to rule and govern and do all these things. We can control the world. And they re- continue this rebellion against God. And God dismantles and, and spreads, spreads people all across the earth. But he finds one individual. He finds Abram and says, Abram, follow me. I'm claiming your family as my family. Uh, follow me and join into my way of life, join into my community, join into my kingdom. You will become my people. Abraham's, Abram's name changes to Abraham. The, the people of God, the people of Israel, they keep growing, they keep expanding. 
Uh, but like any family, they have their ups and downs. Uh, and they fall into some, uh, you could say, down times. And they, they are sold into, captured and, and delivered into slavery under the Egyptian empire. Eventually, God bring, continues adding to this family. He brings Moses along. And they freeze his people from Egypt. And they, they, they go on this exodus. And they, the people are they're fully in love with God. This family is... They're having some good times. They're, they're bonding together. And then they have some down times. And they wander through the wilderness for 40 more years. God brings them judges. There's some more ups and downs. God brings them kings. There's some more ups and downs. And then right as the Old Testament ends, there's this really down period where we have a couple hundred years of silence in between the Old and the New Testament. Yet... God is not finished working with his people, working with the family of God. And that turns our attention to two different books in the New Testament. Uh, It changes depending on the week because the teens have heard me say this, but right now, my favorite gospel in in scripture is the gospel of Luke. Uh, And I like Luke because Luke is the author, is pretty significant because he's the only gospel writer who essentially wrote a sequel to the gospel. He wrote the gospel of Luke and then wrote the, the letter of Acts, the book of Acts. And there's this really, really incredible parallel between Luke and between Acts that serves, I think can be very uh, helpful and very enlightening for viewing the church as a family. In Luke chapter 1, uh, he's, he's writing of this, this promise of the foretelling of the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, he talks about all the different events that are going to unfold so we can get to the point uh, where we have Jesus. Now, he, he writes that, you know, talks about how Gabriel came to Mary and said, a child is going to be born to you and he will be called the Son of God. This is something we're familiar with. This chapter 1 is all about the prophecy of the birth of Jesus. Yet what we maybe sometimes miss is the parallel in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, Luke's writing, he's describing kind of the, the tail end. Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. And Jesus is, uh, the disciples are very, they're confused. You know, like Jesus has been saying, I'm going to leave you. He says, you know, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. It's going to be better that you have the Spirit instead of me here. The disciples can't understand that. How can the Spirit thing be better than you? But Jesus says to them, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In Acts chapter 1, parallel to Luke, we have this proclamation that this, this thing that we later call the church uh, is going to be born. You're, you're going to have this family of God that's going to be really born and developed that is foretold in Acts chapter 1. In Luke chapter 2, we move on into the physical birth of Jesus. Um, Jesus is he's born into the world. Uh, it describes his, his development as a young boy before launching into his ministry. And it's the significance because it's describing just how all of these promises are going to unfold. And Luke continues this parallel in Acts chapter 2, where he describes you know, the, the church at Pentecost, where you have all of these different people who are coming together. 
and the Holy Spirit descending upon all of them, and they're being formed into this community of God, these people seeking after God. To follow, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And what's significant about it is that Pentecost includes this expansion of the family. And as we wrestle with what, how do we fit into this story, and what does it mean for us to be a part of the family of God, Luckily, we had another guy who was maybe thinking of some of these questions. When Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians, he's, he's challenging, he's, he's addressing the same idea uh, in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through uh, the end of the chapter. He says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law of its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the, Christ, through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Formerly to, to the church at Pentecost, this, this Acts 2 moment where the church is born, to be a member, to be a part of the family of God, to be a member of the people of God, you had to be Jewish by heritage. You, you had to be descended to Abraham. You, know, you had to be in this lineage to be in this family of God. But in Acts chapter 2, you have this moment where people of all nationalities and ethnicities are coming together. They're being uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, and they are joined into this one new family. Whereas the Gentiles may have been considered outsiders, may have been excluded, they are now welcomed into this people of God, into this family. And Paul is writing this because there's tension in this. This doesn't come natural for a lot. Uh, if you think about your physical family, maybe you can think about a... Um, a sibling or a cousin who maybe they married someone that you weren't, um, maybe you weren't all that thrilled with, there's resistance to welcoming them into the family. This, this growth of family doesn't always come easy. And Paul is writing saying that those who, who were formerly excluded, those who were, who were called uncircumcised, those who are outsiders, you are now adopted into this family of God. You are now sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, with Christ as this cornerstone, Amen. formed into this new people of God. 
And when we think about what that means today in 2021, what that means for us here at the Woodbury Church of Christ, what it means for us in our little community of the world, we have to wrestle with what does it mean to be the family of God here. We don't come out here to be some sort of um, well-oiled Christian machine that's just you know, producing uh, cookie cutter, you know, just turn them out converts or whatever it is. We as a church, as a family, we welcome people from all sorts of different backgrounds with all sorts of different ups and downs in their stories as we become this family of God. When, you're, when we're baptized and we, we join Christ in fellowship, we don't become uh, lone wolf Christians we don't embark on this solo campaign of following after Christ. We join the family of God. And in this, we have this ability to, to look at one another, to know each other's names, to know each other's stories, to know where we've, we've struggled, to know where we've wrestled, where we, where we have had joys, where we've had ups and downs. And we can say, you are my brother. You are my sister. You are my spiritual mother and father. You are my friend and my family member in Christ. The local church is not just this, this uh, ability, this well of human effort to work out God's plan. It's not this machine. It is a, the living and breathing bride of Christ. We are the family of God, joining in what God has been doing for thousands of years. We are working out God's plan in our local community, in our local part of this world, of this country, of this state. We are continually wrestling with what it means to be this family. One of my favorite Christian authors describes the Christian walk as uh, this long obedience in the same direction. Um, here as at Woodbury, we are helping each other walk this long, obedient walk in the same direction, striving after Christ, um, striving after being the people of God. In a moment, uh, I'm going to pray, and we're going to welcome the praise team up, and we're going to continue to, to join together as a family in praise and in adoration and in worship. But I want us, as we continue to wrestle with what does it mean to be the church as home, to be this indispensable place of belonging, the church is the local family of God with brothers and sisters all over the world who know and love one another deeply. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, this morning. Thank you for this, uh, this time to, to gather together to, to praise you and to worship with one another. Um, thank you for our brothers and sisters and our our spiritual mothers and fathers in Christ that we have in this room. God, I pray that, um, that you can help us uh, continue to learn to love one another as, as family members, that you can help, uh, help us solve and resolve any conflicts that may be developing in our family, both here locally, but also globally, God. I pray that we can love and encourage one another, and that we can continue to, as your people, live out your story and how you've been working in this world for thousands of years. Thank you for everyone in this room. Thank you for those joining us at home. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.